reading from verse 1. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, come. And I look, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come! And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come! And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him, and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood from those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then... The kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? And I want to jump over to the beginning of chapter 8 and just read you a couple of verses, um, the first five verses of chapter 8. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. 
and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Well, may God bless the reading of his word to us. Um, One of the reasons we're going to persist in reading uh, through the book of Revelation, of course, is that this is the book that comes with a promise, a promise to those who read it and a promise to those who hear its words being read. Uh, There's no other book of the Bible that comes with those kind of promises, and we want to make sure that we do honor this, the words of this book by reading it uh, through together as we go through it. So we've reached now Revelation chapter 6, and things are starting to get way, way more complicated. Uh, the symbolism of Revelation is now harder to untangle. Uh, the message itself is spiritually demanding. It, it, it's going to be tougher. And I wonder if you're actually up for this, because we've got a ways to go through the book of Revelation. I hope you are, and uh, presuming that you kind of are going to be, I'm going to get into it. Violence, war, conquest, death, destruction, famines, earthquakes, They're all the sad realities that mark human history. And the seven seals of the scroll of God are going to help us to see beyond the events. We're actually going to be able to see to what actually these events signify. The reason that we have this given to us is that Revelation 6 explains what is happening in our world. Here we get to see a meaning to history that's not revealed anywhere else. You can read all sorts of history books. You can seek to understand all sorts of situations, but you're not going to get the explanation of history that Revelation 6 is giving to us today. How does it all add up? What is it all leading to? Why? 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 We've been looking at those why questions today. And we're only going to see what Revelation chapter 6 is trying to tell us if we first have our vision corrected by Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. We've already looked there. It's, It's kind of like putting on a pair of glasses made to the right prescription. And suddenly... Those of you who wear glasses will understand this now. Suddenly you see what you've been missing before. You'll see things in a different light. So I just want to outline those kind of, that, that change of vision that we get from looking back at those chapters, just to remind you, because it's been a few weeks. Chapter 4 of Revelation is essentially the vision of the Old Testament. God is on the throne. He's ruling. Where God is, there is all control and peacefulness. There's no chaos. Um, And and with God is the incredible, mind-blowing perfection that the four creatures that surround the, the throne of God recognize when they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
who was and is and is to come. And they just keep on saying that again and again. Holy, holy, holy. And, and then this God who has created the world, in, we see, which includes both you and me. And he's created us with great purpose as the 24 elders that surround the throne of God recognize in chapter 4. You can see it in verse 11 of chapter 4. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and they were created. That's the vision of chapter 4. We need that corrective vision. God is on the throne. There's someone on the throne, and it is God. God is in control. Nothing is going to shake God out of his throne. Chapter 5, then, gives us another vision. And it moves that vision from the heaven of the heavenly throne room on to give us what is essentially the vision of the New Testament. The God who sits on the throne holds a scroll. And that scroll represents God's decree for the restoration of all things. They are the orders that will bring about the kingdom of God, which Jesus so often spoke about. The remaking of earth that can only happen when the creator is in charge completely once again. A a new beginning that can only be implemented when the rebellion against God and against his sovereignty has been ended. But the problem is, as we see in chapter 5, there is no one who's worthy to open the scroll. No one has the power. No one has the authority. No one has the ability to do what the scroll needs them to do. It's useless them opening it because they won't be able to implement it. Except one. Thankfully, one, one person is found. The Lion of Judah. And John turns to see who the Lion is and what he looks like, and instead he's confronted by the Lamb. As uh, Daryl Johnson, the commentator on Revelation, puts it, the lion can open the scroll because he has become a lamb, a little lamb, looking as though he's about to, he has been slaughtered, a lamb that is drained of lifeblood, just like those Passover lambs, a sacrificial lamb. But this lamb This lamb has conquered because of his sacrifice. The lamb has by his blood ransomed people for God. Verse 9 of chapter 5. The lamb has triggered this great restoration of God. He is worthy to open the scroll because his actions, by his actions, he has shown that he has what it takes to unfurl all of history and to ensure that it ends where God wants it to. He alone... The lamb has the power. He alone has the authority. He alone has the ability. Now here's the thing. The lamb conquers not as a roaring lion, terrifying all into submission by his fierceness and his might. The lamb conquers by absorbing the pain, all the pain, the hurt, all the hurt, the horror, all the horror of the world into himself. And he defeats it by paying for it in himself. But here's the thing, folks. Doing that doesn't diminish him. Actually, by doing that, he becomes more powerful. He isn't crushed and defeated by the weight of all that awfulness. Yes, he gives his life. Such is the force of everything that he has to pay for. But 
Even then, death cannot hold him. The more he absorbs the pain, the hurt, and the horror of the world, the more he absorbs the difficulties and, and, and sinfulness of our lives, the more powerful he becomes. Until, having taken it all into himself, he actually turns out to be invincible. Nothing can now stop him. And this is, of course, we've just celebrated it here this morning. This is a picture of what Jesus has done and is doing. He died, rose again to life, and is now at the right hand of God, steadily unfurling all of history, working out every purpose of God's creative plan. This scroll, this plan only exists because there's a throne, because of that vision of the Old Testament, an ultimate seat of power, because there is someone on that throne and it is God. Someone has a plan and it is God. Someone who is in command of every last detail, God Almighty. But the scroll is not left to fall open haphazardly, the scroll of history. That scroll that sees us arrive at the kingdom of God in all its fullness, it is in the hands of the Lamb of God. It is in the hands of Jesus. So seen through chapters 4 and 5, Revelation 6 is here to tell us and to tell Christians through all ages that the events of history, especially the bits that we find problematic and troublesome, the wars, the conquests, the famines, the earthquakes, all those things are not random, meaningless events even though they might look like that so often. World events all through history, and especially today, seem to speak against everything that we have encountered in Revelation 4 and 5. They seem to say, God is not on the throne. They seem to say, the Lamb has not accomplished what has been accomplished. Wars, famines, earthquakes, tsunamis, you can think of other things that you can maybe think of at this moment, they all seem to question God's rule and authority. How can God be in charge when all this is going on? it's It's a great idea, isn't it? But really, did God really die on behalf of everyone to bring everyone to his future? Just look around, look around at the the pain of the world. The Holocaust, Yemen's children, or the persecution people endure for their faith. What what did Jesus really achieve? And that's why we need to look again. We need to look beyond what we see with our eyes around us. And that's what Revelation 6, is what the whole of Revelation is enabling us to do. And that's why Revelation 6 informs us what happens as God's plan is unfurled by the Lamb of God. By Jesus, the Savior of the world. The Lord of our lives. These seemingly random, meaningless events, truly awful though they are, are reactions. They're responses. They're responses to the unfurling of God's plan. They're responses to God's plan to set everything right. And every time that Jesus takes a step in unwinding that plan of God, in getting us a step nearer to the kingdom of God and all its fullness and the complete rule of God in every respect, the the world around us, broken and fallen that it is, makes a response, reacts against that. And those responses can be quite terrifying. 
And yet, Revelation 6 helps us to see that the very fact that there are those devastating responses points to the fact that God's plan is being unfolded. Our world is sick. We have long pursued a course that is completely contrary to the Maker's instructions. Putting things right. God's plans and purposes conflict so absolutely with the ways of the world. Those things that we know to happen around and about us. And when those opposing forces clash, sparks are going to fly. Just as when Jesus was brought to the cross, bad things happen. There's always resistance, but Jesus is determined to carry on. He must. The scroll must be unfurled. God's future must come into being. And only the Lamb can bring it about. Only the Lamb can absorb all the hurt and pain, the rebellion and resistance. Only the Lamb can overcome it all. And that's what the seals are here to show us. I hope you noticed as we read through there that each of the living creatures in turn cry out as the first four seals are open. They cry out, come! Who are they speaking to? I wonder if you thought that as we were reading. I think they are speaking to Jesus, who time and again in Revelation is spoken about as the coming one. The very uh, last but one verse in the book of Revelation in chapter 22 and verse 20 uh, says, uh, Jesus says this, surely I am coming soon. And the response is, amen, come Lord Jesus. Come on, the living creatures seem to cry to Jesus. Do it. Break those scrolls. Open, uh, break those seals. Open the scroll. Let the kingdom of God come in all its fullness. And so the breaking of the first seal unveils the white horse ridden by a mighty warrior. Later in Revelation chapter 20, we're going to encounter Jesus himself at the head of of heaven's armies on a white horse, but there is no need for him to have a weapon besides the sword of his mouth. What's that? His, his words. The rider, though, of this white horse that we encounter in chapter 6 is armed with a bow. So I don't think this is Jesus. The rider here seems to be trying to imitate Christ, riding out to conquer. And looking at this first horse and rider, I think we need to remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 and 24. He speaks about it earlier in that chapter as well. Where he says, if anyone says to you, look, there is the Christ, or here he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. We've seen it so many times in history, haven't we? People claiming to know God's way, claiming to be the ones who are working out God's purposes. People who are attracting a great following with, because they have great ambitions. And they set out to conquer and they are conquering. Don't be deceived. This is what happens when Jesus undoes the seals. And the white rider, I think, still rides the earth today. Again, a living creature cries out their encouragement to Jesus, come, and the lamb breaks the second seal. Another horse and rider are revealed, blood red this time. 
Here is the peace taker set loose on the earth. In the absence of peace, people fight and they go to war and they destroy one another. But don't be alarmed. This is what happens as Christ undoes the seals. The red rider is still riding the earth today. Again, a third living creature um, urges the lamb on, come, and the lamb breaks the third seal and a black horse and rider appear. Uh, here, here we see that in verse 5. Come, uh, death, uh, famine rides the earth. And with it come economic breakdown and disorder. And this rider unfairly uh, impacts the poor and the weak. They suffer the most because the resources of the rich and powerful are often preserved for them. Don't harm the oil and the wine, this rider is told. Sadly, the black rider still stalks the earth in our day. And again, the living creature cries out to the lamb. The fourth living creature says, come. And, and as the fourth seal is broken by Jesus, the pale horse and rider appears. This rider is called death, and he's followed everywhere by the grave. Hades, that hellish place of the dead. A quarter of the earth, millions upon millions of people, are laid waste by this rider with the sword, with famine, with pestilence, and with wild beasts and, uh, of the earth. And you know, we just know this all too well, don't we? Death, the pale rider is still stalking the earth, wrecking lives everywhere today. The fifth seal, verse 9, unlocks the cry of the persecuted from under the altar of God. Those who have given everything for their faith in Christ. Those who die for the word of God and the witness that they bore. They have followed the way of the Lamb even to death. And like the lamb, they've absorbed the pain and hurt of a broken world into themselves. How long, they cry, how long will it be? Come, Lord, open the scroll. Establish your kingdom in all its fullness. Put down this rebellion against you. But even as they are rewarded with white robes, signifying their purity and priesthood, they're told to wait, to rest a little longer, until the number of their fellow servants should be complete. My friends, do you want to know why Christians today are suffering in North Korean prison camps? Do you want to know why pastors in northern Nigeria are executed by Boko Haram terrorists? Or why churches are burnt down in Indonesia? Or why those in the Middle East who follow Christ are so often disowned by their families. These are they who are following the way of the Lamb. They conquer like Him, often at a cost of their own lives. They conquer by, not by fighting. They don't conquer in the roar and the might and the claws of the lion, but they conquer like the Lamb by absorbing the hurt, the pain, and the brokenness of the world around them, often at the cost of their own lives. This is surely what the Apostle Paul spoke of when he writes in Colossians and chapter 3, chapter 1, sorry, of Colossians. And he, he, he says in Colossians um, chapter 1 and verse 24, Now I rejoice, this is Paul speaking, 
I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. What is lacking in the afflictions of Christ? The lamb, you see, of God died on the cross, but he continues to conquer through suffering. The lamb continues to absorb the pain and hurt and brokenness and brutality of the world that is busted and broken around us. The lamb continues to be slain through what remains of his body here on earth, through the church. And, And it isn't over yet, but it soon will be. Everyone who suffers for the lamb brings the completion of all suffering a step closer. Look, that's what it says in um, verse 11 of chapter six, uh, chapter 6 of Revelation. They were given a white robe told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete. And, th- and this is what we have to thank our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church around the world for. Everything they are giving, everything they are going through, brings the unfurling of the scroll, brings the coming of God's kingdom a step nearer. It's hard to understand, isn't it? The sixth seal unlocks a cataclysmic series of supernatural events that set the whole earth rocking on its axis. Old certainties are coming undone. The sun turns black, stars fall, sky vanishes, mountains and islands are removed. Finally now, even the elites, those at the top, come to realize that before God, they are powerless. Kings of the earth, great ones, generals, the rich, the powerful, everyone, slave and free, is reduced to groveling, pleading with the earth for somewhere to hide. The world itself is unraveling. I wonder, do we see glimpses of this possibility in the persistent threat of nuclear conflict or the not now so distant, much predicted environmental meltdown of global warming? The lamb is undoing the seals and he's nearly there. God's plan to renew and remake the world, to establish his complete rule and reign is about to happen. And He has had enough of everything that stands in his way. The seventh and the last seal doesn't get opened until the beginning of chapter eight. And with this undone, the scroll will be opened. God's plan will be implemented. First, the breaking of that final seal in chapter eight, verse 